Warning, this week's episode of State of the Franchise contains some very loud music samples with some explicit lyrics. Listener discretion is advised. And now, on with the show. Before we get sued for using that sample for too long, I'm gonna just drown that one out. You didn't. You didn't just whip that together yourself on on GarageBand. <laughs> I mean, hey, I might have. I might have done that, <laughs> but I, I will never tell. <laughs> Welcome back to State of the Franchise. I am your host Tom Stadler here with my lovely co-host Fred Dankin. How's it going, Fred? I'm doing great, man. Feeling good. Feeling warm today. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling warm. It's a balmy 43 degrees in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, baby. With springtime is rearing its ugly head, and uh, yeah, because spring in Wisconsin is ugly. Let's it's, be honest. It's right today is uh, for me shorts and fleece like but like a zipped fleece. That's top. where you're at. Yeah, I okay. love it. Let my legs breathe. Let my top get warm. That's that, what I'm feeling. That's good, man. That's uh, that's how you get out there and feel comfortable. I'll never do that, but I give you a lot of props. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited for this topic this week, Fred. I think I already gave a little hint as to what's coming because uh, we're talking about metal. I think you got to call it the metal. The metal. <laughs> the me- like the Facebook was? Yeah, I, I'm just learning that I look up, you call it the metal. We have to be very careful with our with our terms this week, I've already learned, and uh, <laughs> we have a lovely guest this week. Oh yeah, we have one of our friends from our group chat, our improv group chat, we've been <laughs> making our rounds the chat, and now we have Josh Randall in the house to talk about... I'm going to let him break it down because I don't want to mess this up. I don't want angry metal fans to yeah. come after me. Josh, tell us about what, what you're listening to, what we're, what we're all listening to this week. Well, hey, guys. Uh, thank you for having me on <laughs> the state of the franchise. State of the franchise. State of the metal. <gasps> oh. The metal. Yeah, so uh, we're here to talk about metal music. If I'm not mistaken, specifically from the 2000s onward. Yes, believe we're going to focus in on the 2000s this week and into a subgenre of metalcore. Ooh. Ooh. The Hurry. core of all metal. So what got you, I guess, when did you really start listening to metal, Josh? Yeah, I want to know the metal origin story. And the metal origin story. Well, it all started when I was about three or four years old, and I heard Metallica's The Black Album. Oh. And then the 90s happened, and, you know, there was <laughs> Coolio and Sync and Will Smith and whatnot. And then the year 2000 happened in, you know, middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say truly, uh, you know, all jokes aside, uh, it was probably about middle school for me when I started getting into rock and metal and it was mostly the advent of like new metal kind of like phasing in at that time Mm -hmm. that got me into it and then from there it's kind of like just explore boundaries explore horizons open doors find cave trolls get the loot at the end but that's D &D. that's another time that's the episode Uh, you didn't want to do yeah (laughs) that was the topic that was shot down um, so specifically talking about metalcore, though, because I know I certainly wasn't well familiar with that term before we even started talking about this episode. Can you break down 
metalcore for people who are less aware, or even just metal in general, and then what's different about metalcore? So I, first, I'd like to note I am not a music theory expert, That's but okay. <laughs> it's based on my kind of understanding and appreciation for you know uh, music in general, the sound, how it makes you feel, which a lot of folks would call groove. Um, groove has actually been kind of loosely defined as like the feeling you get when you listen to musical rhythms and whatnot. Um, it's less specifically defined as like rhythm, melody, harmony, etc. Um, anyhow, I would say for me, metal is a more hardcore version of what a lot of folks would just describe as rock. There's a lot of different styles, a lot of different types. I would say metal is primarily highlighted by electric guitar riffs, um, generally a higher tempo, a higher speed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, same with drums at a higher tempo. Um, and then vocals, which can kind of range a whole gamut of you know, classical singing, blues-style singing, to growling and screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, metal core specifically within metal is kind of a comes about like with focused roots on like thrash and like punk post-punk hardcore kind of influences and i'm gonna say these terms and i'm sure there's someone out there who's gonna be like no that's wrong (laughs) and i'll be the first to admit i'm not great with genres but that's my understanding of where metalcore comes from like originally thrash um and then mixing that with like punk hardcore influences and then I guess the hardcore part is where you get the core in metalcore. Mm, okay, so that makes a little more sense. And if you think of punk, um, it's very like thematic in terms of the subject matter. Um, mm-hmm. And then hardcore has like a lot of screaming in it. Um, and I think that's where kind of that starts to blend into the metal. Yeah. Um, so to that's metalcore. That's definitely where I think I ran into it in high school where I would have guys, you know, who would be listening to that. I could hear it from their headphones and it's just and I'm like, whoa, okay, that sounds like somebody's having a heart attack or something. <laughs> um but you know, there's still there's still types of metal though that, that I thought it, it jammed. Fred, where you at? Were you a metalhead at all? Well, I grew up like as I think I bring up every time in a very small town yeah and like I consider it like the east coast like very much like south like where I grew up was like this east coast south park like very small town and people like stuff from the outside world just came in a lot slower but music like the new metal like the Olympus get your god smack your corn mm. was just in the veins of the town like it just felt like oh these songs are about places like this and I feel I was very much into it. It felt like a bad kid thing, and that's why I liked it. I, it felt like kind of grim and dark, and I was, you know, I love something spooky. And I feel I got out of it because where I was living specifically, I looked around one day and everyone was in ICP makeup. Oh yeah, yeah. And like that was the trend in my town, and it was just kind of like that SpongeBob meme where he's like, "All right, I'm out." Just like <laughs> that didn't click for me. I'd say it came back around though in high school in Georgia, 
where you know it's right outside of Atlanta. People are a little more hip. Yeah. Um, but then the term that it was thrown around was just straight up like hardcore. Like everything was just called hardcore music, at least in my realm. Like uh, Poison the Well was the big band. Yeah. That everyone listen to oh yeah and uh so it's kind of always been on the peripheral i've been to a couple of small metal shows because i was in a ska band and it's kind of like all the freaks have to do their shows together yeah. you know, <laughs> you're two completely different types of people you know and like that's kind of like i i think we'll come back around to this if we talk about shows but just like a ska mosh pit versus a metal mosh pit equally dangerous but very different <laughs> oh hell yeah definitely that's the impression that i get Oh, oh R.I.P. the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. I think they just broke up, like, for good. No. Really? Yeah, that was, like, a last week report, which is going to date this episode pretty well. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting experience being in a mosh pit. I think my... I go back to the Warp Tour, which was my experience back in 2003 or 2004, Poison the Well was playing at that. This was at the Summerfest grounds in Milwaukee. And I ended up going by Dropkick Murphys. And all of a sudden, I noticed a circle had opened up around me and I hadn't moved. And I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> and dudes were coming at me and I was getting mad. I was shoving dudes. I was just trying to get out of there. I'm like, I don't want to fuck with anybody. I just want to get out of this thing. And it's fight or flight, man. Well, those survival instincts take yeah. over. Those Irish bands get into something that I think you kind of mentioned earlier that hardcore music does, which is, I don't know if the. The term the groove, which is just kind of like an upbeat, upbeat downbeat with guitar in a rhythmic succession. And I feel you get that with Foggy Molly and you get that with a lot of metal that which sounds like club music when I did it right there. Yeah, it does. Like kind of that repetitive groove of the guitar, like it's almost like a wave that you're riding on. Yeah. Is that what you were talking about kind of earlier? Yeah. I mean, what I was mentioning about groove is, um, because I've, as I've tried to like self learn the different musical terminologies to mm -hmm. kind of better articulate and describe what I feel when I listen to music, groove is about um, how you feel when you listen to the rhythm of the music that's being played. And the mm -hmm. rhythm is the pattern of the musical notes and chords that are being played. So what you described with that kind of ns, 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 right? <laughs> the metal equivalent, <laughs> the metal the equivalent ns, of ns, ns, ns is the rhythm and the groove is what you feel from that and how you feel from that. So um, that that groove in that case is a groove of letting out physical like aggression or exertion of energy and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the rhythm is kind of like that beat. So, so to speak. And I want to jump in here. Cause like, these are like the big questions I want to ask. And I, I don't want them to sound dismissive of metal because I do enjoy it. It's just maybe not particularly my favorite. When do you listen to metal? Are you trying to achieve something? Is it something that you're always listening to? Or is it something like emotional that you're trying to get to? Great question. Um, so when I was younger, it became all that I listened to. Like that was the music I listened to exclusively, especially I'd say metal became like the focal center point for me in terms of musical preference by high school. And through most of college, when I got Music a little bit older, such an identity at that age too. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. 
when I got a little older, I kind of mellowed out a bit and started to branch into indie rock and pop electronic and other stuff like that. Um, but yeah, nowadays I still go back to it and I still love a lot of the metal music that I listened to day in and day out all those years ago. Um, it's, it's kind of like, um, to me, it lends itself to, um, the idea of, have you ever heard of the kind of like the theory of like the hedonic treadmill? Mm -mm. No. Okay. This is not a musical theory. This is just a theory in general, um, kind of more psychology based about that, you know, the human mind kind of once it's uh, achieves kind of like a, an elevated state of happiness, it seeks to balance itself out and normalize to kind of maintain a normal, constant like norm of happiness. So things that are super exciting and new, um, if you repeatedly indulge in that, that becomes a new norm. And then the things that, you know, maybe you abandoned before become kind of more distant and more foreign. And when you go back to them, they're new and exciting again. Mm -hmm. But if you constantly indulge in that, then that becomes the norm. And it's almost like the cycle of, I always want the next greatest thing, but it's not always the next greatest thing. It's just the thing you haven't indulged in in a while. Right? That's a very interesting way to conceptualize. I was even thinking in just the way of like how somber and like moody some of the lyrics and the music is itself. And then it's like, if you're overly happy, you need like something to kind of bring out like, the, the other half of you that doesn't get to like play it's almost like a way of like working through that like i remember the time that i would listen to like a lot of metal was like while i was lifting like they would play the music in the the gym and they would play it in like you know early hours in the morning too to kind of wake us up and get our blood going so that it's like you can you know feel like you're like oh i can lift everything and anything all at once and it was just a very like inspirational thing to kind of be like oh god to do this and that's a so that's a very interesting theory you present there and that it just kind of like draws you draws like a part out of you almost is how i look look at it yeah yeah if you want to learn more about it i mean you can kind of apply it to just about anything in life that you find in terms of hobbies and whatnot if you constantly indulge in one singular hobby it becomes your thing and then you can get burnt out on it and then you go and seek right. other things right um, so it's kind of like always maintaining a balance. You have like peaks and valleys of what you're really indulging and enjoying and getting happiness and fulfillment out of. So where would you feel like you've applied that in your life then, Josh? Um, you know, hedonic treadmills. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, definitely with music, right? So Fred had asked, you know, do I still listen to metal? How often do I listen to it? Um, I'd say I don't listen to it nearly as frequently as I used to. I definitely turn back to it though um you know especially lining lining up to this podcast over the last two weeks i've just been absolutely jamming and um i i find myself liking uh craving more and more a balance of different things uh so musical styles like i'll go binge a bunch of metal for a couple weeks and then i'll jump over and binge a bunch of electronic and then i'll jump over and binge a bunch of like indie and whatnot um just to kind of like get a little bit of a healthy balance in different things. I found that I also have that kind of counterbalance in terms of why I actually like metal music so much hmm. is, um, you know, especially with metalcore, um, you have these really just fantastic guitar riffs that are just chugging and creating that rhythm and that groove and whatnot. And they're getting out a lot of like raw emotional energy out of you. 
And then they counter that with just the most insane melodies in the chorus with actually like beautiful singing vocals a lot of times, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's an individual singer or if it's like the whole group, the whole gang and the band are all singing. And you've got these just absolutely beautiful melodies in the chorus. And then it just jumps back into like the hardcore guitars and drums and everything. And that balance to me is what makes the genre so appealing. Mm. If it was just all heavy and all screaming and growls all the time, it wouldn't appeal to me. Basically Slayer, right? (laughs) (laughs) Or there's a lot of bands, but yeah, Slayer's a bit tough, you know, for me to get into. And um, because of that, it's like there's like two Slayer songs I like and even them are I'm just like you know if the vocals were just cleaner and like mm. just created melody for just a few seconds it's like then when it's gone it's a commodity and I, I crave that commodity of that melodic chorus again yeah. but if you're not giving it there's no reward there's no payoff it almost feels a little like Stockholm Syndrome, though, because it's like they're yelling at you, they're being aggressive, but then they hit you with the nice song. You're like, well, <laughs> this is the side I like. Yeah. Maybe it's like an abusive relationship. It gives you that emotional pull, which I guess I wish I, I was hitting some of those notes when I was listening because I, I didn't feel I was getting the catharsis through the singers. I felt like it was happening at me. But I did feel like the biggest grandma because whenever they sang with like, you know, the melodies and nice voices, I was like, well, why can't you just do that all the time? <laughs> you sound so nice. Why can't you just sing so beautifully? You <laughs> That's what I mean. It, it is like kind of like working out their emotions a little bit through mm-hmm. the music. And when we're talking about metalcore bands, I feel like we've been talking about metalcore. But I mean, we're talking about Kill Switch Engage is an example of one. Uh, soil work, Avenge seven, Sevenfold, uh, Light the Torch, As I Lay Dying, Trivium. I mean, it's a lot of big name bands that I think when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, sure, I know those guys. And now you're just like, what the hell is metalcore? <laughs> like, you know. But it's I think what's what's interesting though is trying to even discern like, okay, what's different between them and like a band's like you know Fred was talking about before, like Olympus, Biscuit, a Corn Kid, like where that was like new metal. And I don't even know. Like, I mean, sometimes it's like, well, shit. Yeah, there are songs that are some of those bands that do sound very similar. Um, I don't know where you guys see, and maybe to even speak further to that, where is the differences between the types of music that we're listening to? Yeah, I think that that's definitely something I was trying to figure out because I I was looking at other people's playlists on Spotify when I typed in 2000s metal, death metal, and it was drastically different every death metal playlist with different bands. So, like, that was definitely something how, yeah, how do, how do you decipher all that? Uh, for me, well, as I kind of joked at the beginning, uh, genre, defining and articulating and delineating genres, especially in metal, is painstaking sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't even know to really where to begin with that. Um, but what I would say is that the generally there's such a broad spectrum there in terms of what you'll find on playlists because everyone's got their subjective preferences on what sounds good to them or what speaks to them in that genre that they're identifying with. So if it's a death metal playlist versus a metalcore playlist versus a groove metal or a thrash or a melodic death metal or a technical Mm. groove metal you know like you get these hybrid genres but what it's all coming down to is 
what does that sound and kind of going back to that concept of groove what does it make that person feel um and are they going for a certain groove or a certain feeling or a certain mood with that Mm -hmm. playlist and the bands that they took a liking to um it's kind of like you ask who's the which band has the best guitar riffs or who's got the best singer and there's probably a lot of positive attributes for everybody to kind of tally up for each of their respective preferred bands, preferred guitarists, preferred singers, etc. So I think it's just a subjective thing. Um, and you got to find what, I guess, suits your style. Yeah, I know. That was always like the funny conversation I had with friends in high school and beyond. It was like, oh, who's the best bassist? Is it Flea? Is it Les Claypool? <laughs> Is it Paul McCartney? It's like these guys play in three drastically different types of bands. <laughs> like you can't really compare apples to apples here because we don't know how good of a bassist Paul McCartney. Maybe he can slap the shit out of it like with Flea. And Flea's like, what? <laughs> right. And then you've got Def Leppard's drummer who's got like one arm. And, yeah. you know, he could be arguably the he's mm-hmm. He is for sure the best one-armed drummer on the planet. Well, of course. But, but, you know. So I actually went through and I was listening to um, a couple metal playlists. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to put you too much on the spot, but I've got like four bands right here. These are songs that I liked. And I want you to like categorize them if you can sure what metal group they are in i will give it a shot the song was memento mori lamb of god what would i categorize lamb of god or the specific just lamb of god i would just throw in the shout to the song that i yeah Yeah. (laughs) lamb of god um they're definitely 100% metal. Um, I wouldn't quite call Lamb of God metal core. I would say Lamb of God leans closer to um, like thrash and groove. Uh, they play like really heavy, like heavy sounding riffs based on how they tune their guitars and whatnot. They don't really follow. There's some tenets of like metal core that are like in terms of song structure and vocal style. This has to do with like really distinguishing between screams versus growls versus and, you know, song structure of, you know, when do I do my hooks versus when do I do riffs and do I do breakdowns or not and that kind of stuff. But Lamb of God's pretty awesome. I'm a big fan. Um, I really like their guitar riffs there. They've definitely got like that heavy presence. And that's a particularly good track by them. And some spooky vibes. That's yeah. why I like so it. So I would lean them lean them more towards thrash to okay. answer your initial question. I'll do like two more here. Yeah. Mudvayne. The song was dig. Oh, dig. Oh, yeah. That is. So Mudvayne, I was actually, I was going to say Mudvayne is kind of close to metalcore, but I'm sure there might be a, a more accurate genre. Dig in particular is probably one of Mudvayne's heaviest songs that I can think of. Like, especially when you compare it to some of their like really big radio ones, like Happy was, I think, like probably their biggest mm. box office billboard, whatever, number one clap song. Along, clap along if you like happy. Not, not quite. Not <laughs> quite. <laughs> okay. Um, but Dig is. I mean, God, oh, I was, I was into it. And last one, I which actually, I'm going to just hit you with two and you can do them with sure. what you, which all that remains, which we have mentioned and five finger death punch. All that remains definitely metalcore, hundred percent. Like Sweet. they're one of the closest bands to kill switch. And I, I would argue kill switch is like the godfather of metalcore. 
Um, very, very similar style. I nothing against all that remains, but I feel like their discount kill switch engage. Okay. But um, they're they have some really great tracks, uh, a couple great albums. The rest of their body work doesn't really stand out to me as much. Um, that's just my personal take. And then the other band you mentioned was Five Finger Death Punch. I'm a I'm a fan of Five Finger Death Punch. I feel like Five Finger Death Punch was the evolution of Limp Biscuit. Like they, <laughs> not to say that they're new metal, but um, I think that they're considered more like thrash or groove, uh, similar to Lamb of God, similar to a. Um, another band that I'm a big fan of called uh, Nemic, which is from Denmark. Um, and I think it's just their, the style of guitar riffs and the rhythm that they create in their songs. But why I say they're like the evolution of Limp Bizkit has to do with their lyrics and their vocal style uh, from their singer. It's like Fred, if Fred Durst was more metal and less crazy. Mm-hmm. He seemed like kind of like... A, a ch- not chill. I'm not gonna say he seemed chill, but he definitely had this like Fred Dursty metal vibe. That was the best way to describe it for sure. Because the first two minutes of the song, the bleeding live is him just talking about how how girls are crazy, and this one's for the boys. <laughs> and I'm glad you guys brought up uh, Nemic though too, because I definitely picked up on one song by them that really reminded me of an older song. And I think this is a good segue to kind of talk a little bit more about the history of metal, how we even got to like where metalcore is now. Um, and with the song that I'm thinking of is called Illuminate by Anemic. So when you hear that song, it's like it has that rhythm right in the chorus totally reminded me of this other song by rainbow who's like a, a very very early metal song probably like one of the more influential bands when it came to it because they were obviously with ronnie james dio who was kind of seen as the godfather of metal like and the song actually which was after dio's departure from the band is called since you've been gone interesting hearing that that whole hook in the chorus and i'm like wow i can't believe that showed up in a song like 35 years later basically mm-hmm. in a very different because like i will say that whatever you played right there that was my jam yeah <laughs> i don't even i don't even know it but that was some freddie music just to get an idea of when i talk about metal what i like i kind of like that little bit of upbeat or i want it to turn completely other way and be some dark shit you know you you don't like you don't like treading water in the middle no you're you're either just dipping your toes right on the steps or you're cannonballing in the deep end Mm -hmm. which i want a blood chalice on the front album cover if i'm getting (laughs) in it it's funny too because i i I was kind of thinking about that i'm like it really does metalcore does seem to toe the line between the two rather than going all in one or the other way or the other like being like okay we're gonna be like i don't know like fucking blink 182 you know versus like slayer it's like you you meet in the middle and suddenly you have this crazy concoction which i totally see why 
why you enjoy something like that, Josh, where you get those feelings. But yeah, I think there is probably a lot more people like you out there, Fred, which is why I don't think metalcore is seen as like, oh, you know, a mainstream high material genre. But I mean, it attracts a lot of people who are like, no, you know what? I don't like Britney Spears. I don't like, you know, whatever else Kid is out rock there. Or Kid Rock. <laughs> I mean, Kid Rock kind of. There's, there's a whole genre of rock called butt rock. That, that's got to be Kid Rock. I, it's basically Kid Rock <laughs> and like, um, what? What's the <laughs> Chad Kroger's band? Um, Nickelback. Nickelback. <laughs> Saliva. Uncle Cracker. Uncle Cracker. Mm-hmm. Bands like that, like that you heard on mainstream radio, where you're like, who likes this? <laughs> well, like Nickelback, I think was one too far for me, but that was me. Like growing up in like a farmy ass town, like yeah, that was the kind of music like. Kid Rock, old Kid Rock, I do have a little bit of a soft spot for yeah. because, like, I was just inundated with it. Because <laughs> Kid Rock, I would see is like a very like big gateway artist to for people to get to this music. Because how else would you find your way there? I mean, yeah. I can't even remember the segue that even got me to like Disturbed. Like, I just remember hearing that that first album of theirs, and I was like, oh, I'm in. The well, that got. Oh. Yeah, that got good radio play, I think, because I know yeah. I had a friend, his mom was his mom was cool, and <laughs> he got me that CD, the like parent advisor version, which, you know, if you listen to the unedited version, the explicit <laughs> lyrics of Down With The Sickness has a whole breakdown that I can't even begin to describe. Yeah. I've never heard anything else like it. And if you hear it when you're in middle school, it's upsetting. Like, it's like the first time I had something unedited where I was like... I kind of don't want this to mess up. <laughs> it really gets a visceral reaction out of you. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, too, that we're back here because obviously Disturbed was 2000s metal. But I think, you know, we go back further. There's so many other inspirations that, are, that I think were kind of gateways to kept creating and creating. I mean, no different than any other genre, right? You have like the roots going all the way back to like blues and R&B that ends up creating rock and roll, right? As we know it. But, you know, when you look at the history of metal, it's like you go back all the way to like the kinks in the 60s, right? You kind of like have those big riffs on You Really Got Me and songs like that. And then you get to, you know, Black Sabbath back in the 70s. And it's like they're, you know, putting the hammer down a little bit more than even like Led Zeppelin was. You know, we get all the way then to the 80s, too, where, you know, hair metal, hair metal takes over. Which, like I said, Def Leppard. Yeah, definitely. Motley yeah. Crue. But really, they put My a, language. a pop <laughs> spin on it. That's almost kind of where it branches a little bit, too, right? Like, we get away from Black Sabbath, you know, like, kind of that darker, you know, like, more, like, Black heavy Black Sabbath rock, is right? what I would consider heavy metal. Sure. Yeah, that's exactly it. But then where you have hair metal bands like Van Halen or Def Leppard, you have, like, Motorhead or you have Iron Maiden, you have, you know... Who else? Like, They're starting to come out of the woodwork at this yeah, point. Yeah, right? Black Flag, you know, a band that, oh, yeah. or I would say, uh, oh gosh, uh, Madhouse, Anthrax. Is that the band I'm thinking of? Anthrax is definitely what I would consider like punk metal for sure. Yeah, yeah. and it just keeps taking spins, right? And then obviously, can't forget Metallica. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, well, the band that I mentioned at the beginning that I heard when I was three, uh, the yeah. Black Album. Right. <laughs> I was my life. I wanted to throw out a band that. For some reason, didn't really come up in the chat. And if you're going to talk about 2000s metal, and I'm kind of curious where they fall in, is System of a Down, which is probably Ooh. like the band I listen to the most of all this. So I think that's even where we, I think we're getting a little 
into the whole thing of Josh was talking about, where you even categorize some of these genres, what is System of a Down? Are they metal? Are they just like hardcore rock? Or, or is they- it like this whole other thing? Because the lead singer is bringing in this like. Middle, is he, I think he's from the Middle East, but the throat singing that he's doing, he's mm-hmm. bringing in like this cultural kind of addition to the style of music, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah I believe his name is Serge Tanakian, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he was a very unique character. That band was, I mean, I had the Toxicity album. Oh, I yeah. jammed on that hardcore, you know. Um, I would say like that was the era of... To me, it's like I'm just going to categorize it all as new metal because to me, new metal is what mm-hmm. was in the early 2000s, whether it was Limp Bizkit, Linkin Park, System of a Down, you name it. Like they all kind of had these like heavy riffs. They didn't play super fast tempo. They didn't follow like breakdowns. They didn't follow um, screaming versus, you know, singing melodies in the chorus and stuff They kind of just... I don't know. They had these like heavy head banging riffs, right? Yeah, I will say their first album, I would put more in the metal, the one with like the hand coming at you. Yeah. Like songs like Sugar is a relentless like song coming That's at true. you. That's true. But I would say Toxicity is definitely, I hate to put it in that box of new, I don't want him in the same room with Fred Durst and the corn yeah. guy, but I will say Toxicity does lean that way. But that first album is very much, I would say, one of the most metal albums I've yeah. ever listened to. <laughs> so not to put ourselves at risk here of drawing more ire from people who are probably already cussing at the miscategorization, would we almost call new metal pop metal in a way? Yeah, they would hate it. But. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't really know where the term originated from, like why it was labeled new metal. I don't know like the taxonomy behind that and the... Uh, you know, the word structure there, but yeah, it was what was popular at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's typically what pop is, is whatever's popular. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of influence from rap and hip hop. So one of the things, I mean, and you saw that in Lincoln Park and Limp Biscuit with their lyrics and whatnot, but you also saw with Lincoln Park and Limp Biscuit, the riffs were heavy. You could easily headbang to them. But one thing that everybody could mostly do was follow the lyrics and sing along Mm -hmm. in the structure. And that is something that's not super easy to do when you get into like more metal, metal core, aside from the chorus. Everybody can sing along with the chorus, but the verses become poetry that's just guttered out like Cookie Monster. Is, Is that something you're interested in finding out? Like, are you looking up the lyrics of uh, hard, you know, hardcore bands to hear? What they're saying while they're yelling. Do you want to? Do you want to have that context? Sometimes I do. If it's a band I really like or a song I really like, and I can't decipher what the words are, then yeah, I'll definitely look it up. And not because I'm trying to go to the karaoke bar to sing it, but <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of just because I want to understand better the origin of the song and and where the lyrics came from. And sometimes that helps connect the dots for the emotion that I hear from the front lead singer. Um, it's it's funny, uh, you know, we've got all these different genres here and we kind of joke about that. But um, the one thing that I definitely think was interesting was the the distinction you made, Fred, between System of Down's first album and then like Toxicity, which is what I was thinking of. And that can just go to show you how much a band can change their style, their sound from album to album 
while still retaining that identity. Mm-hmm. Because nobody's questioning that, you know, Sugar and that first, you know, album isn't System of a Down or it's a different band, even though it's very distinct in its style mm-hmm. from the second album. Yeah. And it's interesting that you even say that too, because it, you do even see the evolution, you know, going back to what we were just talking about with Metallica, right? Like they were very like hard out the gate, you know, heaviest from their eighties into the early nineties and then started to get more into this kind of like groove type music by the time they hit like St. Anger, right. Or whatever, you know, are you pulling from like Marconi and like, kind of more orchestral symphonic well snm like really changed it and that's almost kind of feels like where 2000s metal kind of picked up was sort of like oh if metallica can go and do some softer stuff in the background like this and you hear you know um james headfield kind of crooning a little bit versus just outright yelling into the mic well maybe we can mix the two because we love both those styles and it's just interesting to see, yeah, then you develop out a band who, like, System of a Down, who's like, we're going to bring our own style to this metal genre. And, like, it just keeps evolving from there. And it just, all of a sudden, it's like, you've had this growing tree that had, like, two branches and then three branches. Mm-hmm. And now we're into, like, ten branches by the time we hit the 2000s. And they're right? all, like, intersected still, like, in small ways that are weird, like... A band that kept coming up when I was listening to, like, especially the choruses of the bands you talked about, how they're, like, super melodic and the guitars are, like, very beautiful. It reminded me a lot of what I like about Van Halen. That guitar in Van Halen is very, like, similar to at least the choruses in those where it goes from, like, a... Then a... <laughs> and Van Halen's one of the best guitarists mm-hmm. of all time. I, I, I mean, I know everyone's got their take on who the best is and, you know, Hendrix or whoever and whatnot. But when it comes to like, a, a f- you know, a guitarist for a band, and I, I kind of mentioned this before the cast, right? A band should be greater than the sum of its parts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, you know, Van Halen brings as a guitarist to that to that band. I mean, you've got the... David Lee Roth and the Sammy Hagar, you know, Van Hagar era, Mm -hmm. you know, two different front men. And that's something we see a lot in, you know, some very, you know, prominent bands in metal. But without that guitarist, like driving that, that, like those riffs, those Mm -hmm. solos, everything, like everything is super memorable and super just like that's what stands out to you the most in those Van Halen songs is how good that guitar work is. Yeah, he's like Flea and um, the drunk Travis from Bling Way 2. Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers, who was the bassist, but creates kind of almost the whole sound for that band. I feel like what Van Halen does, and Travis does that for Blink-182. Like Blink-182 would just sound like very airy rock without like the fullness of those drums. Oh, it's definitely true. I mean, even kind of getting into, you know, I think even some of the highlights here. I know one of the bands that you brought up, Josh, and really wanted to talk about was Killswitch Engage. We mentioned them a couple times and how they kind of defined this genre of metalcore to begin with. I mean, why do you feel like they are so prominent, first of all, as, a, as you a fan, but just as well in like the genre, like in defining what they what it shows and what it can be? Sure. I think Killswitch, um, you know, they emerged on the scene pretty, pretty early. Um, I think they formed around like 99 or 2000 and they had a self-titled album, which was kind of like, a, you know, like what, what do they call those? An LP or is it an EP mm-hmm. when it's like a half an album? Right. Um, and then they released that, didn't really make an immediate splash yet. 
but their first like full length album was alive or just breathing. And, um, Fred, you may recognize this one as like the one that where the album art was kind of like orange yellowish mm-hmm. with like a face kind of like fading and like an artistic stripe across it. So kill switch kind of just broke on the scene and just was, they were defying what was quote unquote new metal or pop metal mm-hmm. at the time and just doing their own style. And it was much more, um, heavy, like fast riffs that are in like that hardcore origin, but they had a lot of rhythm to them like thrash metal would. And then they really kind of like took everyone by storm by like growling or screaming a lot of those lyrics in the verses, but then they would get extremely melodic in their choruses and they would have breakdowns and they'd have solos and like almost what I don't know how to better describe this like Kill Switch's song structure where they jump from these like heavy chugging verses and and riffs into these melodic choruses. It's like they're like anthems. They're like songs that you feel like are a rallying cry, like for a nation that's been battered and torn and you're trying to rally a community to war, you know, to pick up arms and fight for your freedom or fight for your life or fight for your loved ones. Like that's the emotion that it kind of draws out. And their identity, you know, they're a band that's gone through lead singer front men changes, mm-hmm. um, ironically. And their style was still 100% intact between both singers because they still contributed to the band in the same style, despite being very unique in their singing voices and very different. Their guitarists, their bassist have all remained the same. Um, Joel Strotzel is the lead guitarist, Adam Dukovich is rhythm guitarist, uh, Mike D'Antonio is the bassist. They've all been the same throughout the whole time. Um, their drummer changed originally. Um, they didn't, I think they just had a guy who was like touring with them uh, to begin with. But then when um, Howard Jones, who's their second singer, who came in on their second full length album, um, he brought Justin Foley, uh, who is the drummer from a previous band he had worked on. And Justin Foley's been the same drummer since. But the original singer, Jesse Leach, phenomenal on that Alive or Just Breathing album. But then Howard comes in, and they take it to the next level. And they they hit mainstream with that second album, which was mm-hmm. the first one with Howard. I was going to ask, they, did any of them, do they get any ra- radio play? Like they they did. So that first album had a few hit singles. Uh, I think the biggest one is My Last Serenade. Um, but they also had The Element of One, which is really big. Um their second album, the one where Howard Jones comes in and Howard Jones has like, he sounds like an opera singer. He's like got such a powerful voice. Um, they had a song that I think won a musical award and it was used in the soundtrack um, of Resident Evil 2. Is <laughs> uh, the end of fitting. heartache. The end of heartache. It's one of their most well-known songs. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, that was that was huge, and that's kind of where they really broke through and started getting popular. Um, then their third album after that, I think many consider their greatest of all time, which is uh, "As Daylight Dies," and you know they had multiple hits from that. "My Curse" was probably the biggest one. That was in Guitar Hero Three, I believe. Yep. Um, <laughs> this is Absolution was huge. Uh, another song that's actually huge was a cover song that they did on the bonus like special edition of that album which is holy diver a cover 
of Dio. Yeah. Who, Tom, you said earlier was like the godfather of metal. Hell yeah, Ride the Tiger. And I said Killswitch was the godfather of metalcore. Ah, it's... It's all tying together. It's all coming together. You guys got a like nice Mount Vernon getting together smothered in mascara. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. And Holy Diver is a jam. I mean, we'll just play that Killswitch... I think it's it's such a it's a good version and I, you're right like Howard Jones really does have a a big very like powerful operatic voice is a good way to describe it and I think even to talk about the cultural impact of them being a big band and the fact that I mean let's just call it what it is he's a black lead singer in a metal band like that's also something you didn't see a lot of outside of like Lincoln Park which I don't know where, where do we even put Lincoln Park but mm-hmm. new metal yeah I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> in new metal but that's also just something that's it's it's changing the way that metal looks though too from just a bunch of like white guys on stage with long hair and now it's like oh there's different looking people in these groups too i mean even talking about system of down like we were before too it's just it's changing the game a lot in that regard and that's that's a big piece of it well recently metal got like a big kind of plussed up um credit wise i feel for talent because that whole uh, viral disturbed sounds of silence thing, yeah. <laughs> where he came out and just like sung like, cause I feel every metal singer should go and do one of those. And then like everyone will give him like mad respect. It seems cause everyone was just almost backhandedly like, can you believe that? Just saying that so well. Can you believe Disturbed? <laughs> disturbed did they, they Simon can Garfunkel? Actually, they can make music? <laughs> they can sing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, uh, Howard Jones being a, a black male, right? With just an absolutely beautiful voice. Like, mm-hmm. just would... Honestly, like you're, you're kind of in awe when you hear him belt out some of those notes so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really impressive to to just, you know, kind of bear witness to that um, or surge, you know, from System of a Down. Um, metal, you know, music in general is art that brings people together, mm-hmm. you know, and it knows no race or no borders. right? Yeah. So and I think that's one of the great things about music in general. But one of the really great things about metal is it's there's no metal that's like that I'm aware of. That's like, nope, this is this is American exclusively mm-hmm. or this is, you know, German exclusively. Sure, we know Rammstein and whatnot, but like <laughs> in general, like there's no metal or, or or, you know, type of metal that's like, you know what, this is this. This can only be done by us. Yeah. No, and I think that's actually a great point, too. I mean, think, looking at all the bands that we were even talking about before, too, so many from Northern Europe and so many from, you know, like other parts of the world. You know, Scandinavia. It, Denmark. Northern Europe, Sweden. yeah. yeah <laughs> right, right. But obviously, yeah, a, a huge base there. I mean, you know, we're still kind of limited, I think, in where some of those origins come from. But still, it's just the fact that it's becoming more accessible. And, you know, it went through a big phase change back in the 2000s just being from, you know, people who look like Megadeth and Metallica to all of a sudden it's, right. it's different. Right. But, um, I think what's, 
What, what's interesting, though, is to think about, too, like where it can go even beyond that. Then it's like, you know, you continue to push, you know, limits there. You push the genre limits. And I think it where do we see metal kind of going next? Like, is it just kind of continuing to blend these genres or. I mean, I'm kind of getting into coulda, woulda, shoulda here a little bit, but, you know, is there a way up from even where it is right now? And I, I can't say I'm up to date on the latest metal, but I've certainly heard of a couple songs. We were just talking about Sound of Silence. What was that? Three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is it going to be more covers like that that can push it? Or are we going to see them start to, you know, come up with something bigger and like, <laughs> I don't know. There's a big trend, I feel, at least through my social media and what they're trying to give me is more fusion. Like, I cannot get on Facebook without seeing ads for this group called The Native Howl, which is a bluegrass metal band. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the key is taking metal and kind of putting it over other genres makes it kind of interesting. Also, and I don't like because, you know, we're not the experts. I was trying to think like. Is there going to be more of a like electronic element in the future? Mm. Oh, I was actually just going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I figured yeah. you might. Um, one of the interesting things, before I get too far down that rabbit hole, that I just wanted to mention was you see a lot of times in music trends and patterns, like almost like fads, same with fashion. They come and go, and sometimes they hit later. Um, so like The Sound of Silence, for example, you mentioned that was just a few years ago. That's a few years ago that it went viral and trended. That song came on an album like over a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so it just didn't really hit until like the right moment where all of a sudden people were like ready for that. Mm. And you get that a lot of times in metal specifically, or when you go farther to like one specific niche or one style, mm-hmm. sometimes it's too early to catch on to the mainstream. Um, and you know, it may be some time after that. As far as like electronic and metal, there is definitely a like kind of niche of the metal genre that dips into that. If you're curious, I would recommend the band Cybreed. They are kind of like a techno metal almost. Okay. Um, mm. Really, really cool. They're not around anymore. Like they kind of dissolved as a band, but there's yeah. like a good three or four albums. And uh, it's good stuff. So is it more just kind of like Ramstein, but instead of kind of focusing on metal with like some like electronic like tones, it's almost like electronic with tones of metal. I would say it's more metal core with electronic and synth like mixed in. Okay. Um, I would also say Bloodstained Child. Which is a Japanese band. I don't know and if I'm typing that into my Spotify. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. No, I know the FBI name. Is, will be the name you. is wild, but no, they're a Japanese metal band, and they're very, they're very much like straight up like you know how like J-pop, like anime music, is very like techno heavy. Yeah, take that and make it metal, and that's what Bloodstained Child is. Okay. <laughs> Still hey, could you pop that in your computer for me, Tom? Bloodstained Child. I will not. I refuse. Take safe search off. To type the two words, Bloodstained Child. I have a new <laughs> nephew and I need to be. So let's talk about up. that. <laughs> let's talk about The kids. impression that, you know, you get. some metal bands. Oh, 
There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Sometimes metal bands' names kind of give off a vibe that, you know, to the uninitiated. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were talking about Disturbed. They sang what? Mm-hmm. Bloodstained Child. What is this devil worship you're listening to? <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's kind of like what I grew up with, with parental units that didn't really like listen to the music I listened to or understand and mm-hmm. would always question when I put, you know, Disturbed, the sickness on my Christmas <laughs> list. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know. Uh, I think that that kind of comes with the territory for some of these bands that want really hardcore sounding names and things like that. And then it kind of just gives off a negative connotation. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of goes with this whole could, would, should like is, should there be, I don't even know how to put this. Uh, There's, does there need to be some kind of like handholding for parents to be like, Hey, listen, yeah, we're talking about insane shit, but Really, we're not we're not promoting this. Like, I, mean, I don't know. It's like the whole Satanism stuff, right? It's like you you even see people who are like, "Well, I'm a Satanist," but they're like the most chill people you'll ever meet. <laughs> it's just it's just a, a a state of mind versus like, yeah, I actually believe in like sacrificing goats and you know trying to like worship the devil and raise him on earth or something. Like that. I mean, you face the same thing in video games and movies and yeah. all kind of forms of media, right? Like, you know, you could say. Uh, uh, you know, a 10 year old kid could ask their parent for God of War, mm-hmm. you know, for, you know, Christmas for Xbox or PlayStation or whatever. <laughs> the medal of video games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the parent could be like, what is this God of War? And it's like, well, it's actually about Greek mythology and Norse <laughs> mythology now. Um, it's it's yeah, it's action packed. It's a little violent, but it's also like not the worst thing ever. Yeah, it's. It really is just, I mean, yeah, and obviously there's like, there's history context to God of War, but there's history context to all these band names too, right? Like, I mean, even Lamb of God, right? Isn't that kind of like a connotation to, or not a connotation, but a reference to the fact of like, oh yeah, you know, they're like Lamb are God's creatures and... There's so many Bible passages about lambs. Uh, There's probably been so many instances on this earth where... Some kid tried to convince his parents that Lamb of God was like a Christian. It's a Christian. It's a Christian thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Lamb of God, Demon Hunter. You know, because we're hunting the demons. Black Sabbath. Demon Hunter or Demon Slayer. Great anime. Love it. Oh, Demon Hunter is an actual Christian metal band. Very good. Yeah. Have you ever played? There's a there's a game where they actually do like almost the exclusive soundtrack for it. It's uh, Killing Floor Two on, oh, on Steam. That. Yeah, no. if you play that game, you can choose in the options to enable or disable like the uh, like the soundtrack um, from being like whatever music they just made for the original game soundtrack versus the licensed Demon Hunter soundtrack for the game. Mm. Demon Hunter is pretty awesome. Sounds. They're definitely metalcore, but they are actually a, a Christian metalcore. Band. Yeah, it, I mean, it's funny because it doesn't sound Christian, but <laughs> it's, I guess that's where you want to go if you're really trying to be edgy. It's almost like like Rod and Todd Flanders started a band and they're like, <laughs> man, we're Demon Hunter now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> well, there, Dudley Dudley. That's good, Rog. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. Are there any other like coulda, woulda, shoulda options for metal that you guys can really think of? I mean, like, 
I haven't really heard a good metal country crossover, mm-hmm. but personally, I haven't ever heard a good country song to begin with. So, Lil Nas X is pushing pushing the <laughs> limits, you, though. Have you heard Lil Nas X is pushing the limits? I give him that. Lil Nas X, you know, that's probably the best like country I've heard because mm-hmm. the rest of country is all like ketchup stain on my t-shirt, pickup <laughs> truck. What about a- like? See, you gotta. <laughs> You gotta listen. You gotta type in. Don't just stop at country. Add the term western at the end. I think you might find some tunes you might like. Like I always throw out. What about like Jolene by Dolly Parton? That's a country song that slaps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's classic. I I guess going with the let me let's narrow it down here because there's a lot of music out there, right? <laughs> a lot of decades. So 2000s country to now. Post 9/11 <laughs> country is not great music. I appreciate <laughs> that the Florida and Josh is coming out yeah. right now. I could hear the little southern twang starting to sneak through. Man, I listened to some Dolly Parton back <laughs> down south. <laughs> that's, that's my rule when people like want to hate on country. I'm like Add that term western on the back there, and you're going to find some tunes you like. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You know what we need? We need a country western movie that has a metal soundtrack. I would watch that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I was going to say it could have, would have, should have get more metal into soundtracks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right? Because where do we really see it right now? So, like, horror movies, maybe some action. Like, Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah, Oof. Resident Evil Two Apocalypse <laughs> had the kill switch engage uh, end of heartache song. That <laughs> that's you know. true, man. I didn't watch that new Resident Evil movie, but it sounded really bad. Did not look good. <laughs> Ashley rented it with their mom, like the twenty dollar rental, and so I just like heard it from the. And they were like, "You want to watch with us?" And I was cooking or something. I was like, "No, no, I can just hear it. I can hear it." Yeah. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. I mean, Metallica made through the never. It's true. But that's a Metallica thing, you know. Mm-hmm. They also made that documentary where they look super sad. Some <laughs> kind of monster. True. That was actually some kind of monster. Was a brilliant documentary, and I, you know, Metallica was a band we talked about earlier. Is like, you know, the, how do you talk about metal without talking about Metallica? Right. We we're talking about evolution from album to album, and that's a band where I think they were just getting better and better from like Kill 'Em All all the way to Black Album. Mm-hmm. And then the 90s happened and like grunge happened and Mm -hmm. butt rock happened and whatnot, you know, and they had like load and reload, which were kind of like not the same at all. Mm -hmm. So it didn't even feel like an evolution so much as that's a band where everyone's Mm -hmm. like, that was kind of like a de evolution. Like they Mm -hmm. like people feel like they almost regressed Mm -hmm. and then they like their comeback album. They get rid of Jason Newstead. They bring on Robert Trujillo mm-hmm. and Saint Anger. And it's like garage band style, just like angry, like thrash metal. Yeah. And like, I love Saint Anger. And so many people love to hate on that album. Like when it came out, everyone's like, oh, it's terrible. You know, we need to go back to, you know, the Ride the Lightning era or, you know, justice for all and stuff and i'm like well you know that was like in the 70s and the 80s mm-hmm. right like they're definitely changed they're older um they've gone through a lot of life experiences but you know from saint anger you actually saw they did start to rekindle some of that old form from there mm-hmm. they went to death magnetic and that was like huge right mm-hmm. now they're kind of still just i don't know doing stuff but yeah it's it's interesting like some bands can really evolve and change their style and grow, and others, meh. 
<laughs> well, I think that's exactly where you want to get to next is talking about if you really had to narrow it down from the evolutions of all these bands, your top three favorite bands for our power rankings this week. And lest I forget to call this out, Josh, you are wearing a Kill Switch Engage shirt that is signed by the band. Oh, that is correct. And if you want, at the end of this podcast, we can sign it too. Oh, yeah, sweet. One <laughs> one name on each sleeve. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Fred on one, Tom on two. Yeah. So I would imagine that band is probably on your, your top three. Yeah, so I've, uh, for sure. Uh, I actually, you mentioned I was from Florida. I got this shirt at a concert in Florida. It was the uh, Kill Switch Engage concert at House of Blues in Orlando. And it was actually the very last show Howard Jones ever attempted to play as the front man of Kill Switch Engage. Wow. Um, he unfortunately had a medical emergency that night and like they couldn't take the stage and he was rushed to the hospital. So I had just bought this shirt, and it's a shirt that literally features Howard Jones jumping off a stage into the crowd. Oh, man. It's pretty awesome. And um, so the band comes out after like a, a, an almost a two-hour delay of just not taking the stage, and everyone in the venue is like, what the heck's going on? Mm-hmm. And so they come out, um, and they apologize, and they say, Howard had a medical emergency. They're not going to be able to play. Um, the band literally stuck around for like three hours just talking to every single fan in the venue. Wow. Meet and greet, signing autographs and everything. So that's where I got literally Joel, Adam, Mike, and Justin to all sign the shirt. Except Howard, who was at the hospital. Mm. Uh, what they did was, I mean, I, I chatted with them. I actually got to chat with them about my favorite song of theirs at the time, which is a song called Break the Silence, which is on... It's not a mainstream hit. It was never a single, but it's a deep cut on the Alive, uh, sorry, the As Daylight Dies album. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard them play it live before. And I asked, why don't you ever play it live? And they just said, I, I don't know, never, never really com- comes up in conversation or anything. But I said, well, that's got the coolest riff and the coolest breakdown of any song you guys have ever played. And they did laugh. And uh, Joel, um, the lead guitarist said you know when we wrote that riff for that song we labeled it best riff ever (laughs) (laughs) literally best riff ever um so that was kind of neat kind of like a fan validation like yeah it is the best riff ever this thing's too cool that's Um, awesome so anyhow they signed the shirt then they had the lead singer of all that remains come and do the show the next night they had Mm. everyone come back they honored the tickets so Phil Labonte from All That Remains came and did the show, and he did a very admirable, admirable job, and he actually finished out that tour with them. Wow. And then they conducted the search to, uh, for a new singer because Howard basically took a leave from the band um, and kind of just went on hiatus with his musical career at that point. And um, I actually remember also that night talking with them as they were saying, like, you know, trying to figure out what they were going to do for an interim singer. Mm-hmm. And I had suggested Jesse Leach. I was like, Call up Jesse, bring Jesse back. And uh, because at that point, Jesse and Adam, who's the, uh, you know, rhythm guitarist and, you know, he does a lot of other stuff like mixing for the band, for their albums and everything. um, They had already come out with their side project, Times of Grace, Mm -hmm. which is Jesse and Adam. And Jesse was the original singer of Killswitch. They're like, well, yeah, not sure if he'd schedule a work. We're thinking Phil from All That Remains ended up being Phil. Long story short. 
Well, it's already a long story. <laughs> but um, Jesse becomes the singer of the band again. Mm-hmm. And now they've released like three subsequent albums. They've released a second Times of Grace album. And they've recollabed with Howard their latest album. They have Jesse and Howard both singing on it um, on like a track. Mm-hmm. It's called The Signal Fire. It's awesome. Um, but yeah. This this band, I, I know far too much about their history and whatnot. <laughs> it was a big influence on my life and my musical preferences, especially for metal. I would say they're my number one. Wow. For sure. That's okay. I mean, you, you've well, des- I mean, per supported that pick. <laughs> so, I support your pick. I as support well. <laughs> support the supporting of you picking that pick. Um, what would you put at two and three if you absolutely had to then knowing that kill switch is just, yeah. So number, number two one, is a band we haven't talked about much tonight. Um, but soil work. Okay. Um, soil work is just awesome. They've got more albums than any other metal band I know of. I, they've got so many albums. It's insane. Um, and their consistency with how good they deliver on each album. Mm-hmm. I, I would put up a, is better than any other metal band that I'm aware of. Um, they they are from Sweden, and they're very very similar to Killswitch in their style, but they're also very very unique. Like they're definitely metalcore or melodic death metal, whatever. But um, they have a few more influences that I think are more like classic rock. They don't really do like the breakdowns that Killswitch does in their songs, but they mm-hmm. do like. And they generally have a faster tempo for like their riffs and their rhythms and whatnot. But they do have a lot of classic rock and kind of like almost like blues like influences on their vocals and their and their melodies and whatnot. Hmm. That was probably the favorite of the three that I listened to. Soil work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they definitely have a unique sound that evolves from album to album. Like you can go from those first early albums and it's like kind of like rough around the edges, but the guitar work is just insane. And then as you you get to a point where you're in like the mid 2000s and they have more electronic influences, they slow it down a bit, kind of like the new metal influences almost. And then they kind of get to a, a turning point where they shift guitarists and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And the style of the riffs change, but the sound of the band remains constant. Wow. And they get a bit more classic rock infused. Well, Kind of still having a lot of groove and a lot of thrash influence too. Yeah, I think when we, I was listening to a little bit of their catalog, I caught a little bit of that too. Like you said, Fred, like where it did kind of go from like being very like, you know, that thrash sound to very almost like yeah, more the melodic that you were talking about too. And it was just it was stark. Like you can tell from and I'm like this is that's definitely a different album. It has to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'd say my favorite album from them is one of their earlier ones. It's called Natural Born Chaos. Mm. Um, that album's got a lot of the electronic like keyboards influence in it, um, and it's a faster tempo, but it's it, it's a banger from start mm-hmm. to cover to like start to finish. That album is just awesome. Nice. Uh, maybe my second favorite album from them is um, the Panic Broadcast. That one gets into the more classic rock, bluesy almost influence, which you'd say, well, that's so different. Why? How is that? You know, your your top two favorites. They're very different, but they just stand out so much on their own. It's just like. Gosh, every track on each of these albums is awesome, mm-hmm. and they're just, I can listen to them over and over. Good. No, I mean, definitely would recommend people check them out if they haven't even heard them before. Who's wrapping out the, the three, though? Uh, number three would either, it's this is tough, 
It's really tough. Um, I really like Nemic a lot. Um, they're not really metal core as much. They're, but they they kind of are. It's hard to really categorize them. Mm-hmm. Um, they had two different singers over the course of their life as a band. They haven't been active since I don't know twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. They're awesome. Um, they to me are a bit more industrial sounding. A um, bit more like kind of thrashy, uh, degent, syncopated riffs. And syncopated riffs are like where you have like two or more clashing rhythms almost, where it's kind of like a start-stop kind of uh, vibe to it. Sure. Um, awesome vocals in in there too. Um, that's They're the band where you, you highlighted that song earlier that kind of harkens back. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, my other option would have been Scar Symmetry. That's another band from Sweden. They're similar to Soilwork. Um, they're less metalcore and more what I think is categorized as melodic death metal. They have like very like Cookie Monster growling, but then like very much like um, what I've uh, likened to. I think for uh, more like the Dragon Force kind of singing, mm, yeah. almost, which is like what I called like fantasy metal, where it's like <laughs> we're gonna fight. Hell things. yeah, <laughs> that's Fred's jam. <laughs> I think I with metal, I just need like something else. It has to be metal, and then like it's got to be about vampires. <laughs> like, it's metal, and there's like some poppy like synthy stuff. Like I need just something else. Or these people are gonna sing in German. It's gonna sound super cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. That that goes a far way with me with some of these bands that when I hear like another language, I'm like, oh cool. Because it, it. it's otherworldly. It's I don't know what this is. I don't know what they're saying. You should listen to the there's that band that does the Mongolian metal. Oh, with like oh. the throat singing and whatnot. Like you remember the throat singing in oh, Dune? Yeah. Yeah, like that, but oh, a metal man. band. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. But yeah, the one thing I would say with Scar Symmetry, just to round that out, is they have, if I were to say who's the best guitarist in metal right now, it's Per Nilsson, and he's the guitarist of Scar Symmetry. And like that dude can just put riffs together like that are just make your head explode. Yeah, mind-blowing stuff. Yeah. That's good. I'll have to check them out, too, especially because I feel like we just talked about a couple bands that we really didn't give a lot of love to, but definitely a lot out there to listen to. Fred, did you have any bands that you were like really rose to the top for you? You don't have to do a top three necessarily, but no, I'm just going to, I'm going to just stay, I'm going to stay with one that I probably no the two that I'll go back for Lamb of God uh-huh. and mud vein. Mm. I'm all about the mud vein. Give yep. me in anything. Like I've noticed a lot of blood talk in metal. So <laughs> I'm just pointing that out that that's it. Yeah. Those are good picks, though. I would say Mudvayne's a big callback. Remember, they they had another movie track. We'll have to do like a whole episode, mm-hmm. I think, on like movie tracks. Well, that's what I wanted for because we've been like been talking about like when we have Josh back to doing a new metal episode. But I think it should just be like new metal soundtracks or something, yeah. and then we can talk about it because like I sent you guys that list. It's all just great horrible movies yeah 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 i want to get into like what was what was going through your mind when the song plays and the scene in blade (laughs) right i want to pitch you guys on a metal trilogy though too because we start here today with metalcore then we jump into like new metal or new metal soundtracks for movies but i want to get into some hair metal because i've been watching peacemaker and the 
hair metal tracks in that show I've never heard before. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? What is this? This is like even like some better than like Van Halen. I mean. That's a kind of blasphemous it's thing like to that, say. <laughs> he's doing the James Gunn thing where he's picking songs that are on the peripheral of songs, yeah. you know, which is great because, you know, at the end of the show, you're going to have a nice Spotify playlist to right. go and check out. No, and it's it's good. And I'm just like, I just want to go down that rabbit hole. Of like, what are these other hair metal bands that, you know, I didn't listen to going up besides like your Motley Crue or anybody else. So I think we'll, we'll have this in the future. I want to revisit <laughs> First guest to get locked in for a trilogy. Yeah. Like one thing. (laughs) Wow. And if you really enjoy trilogies, please check out our episode on Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy. Yes. Because that was where we covered all (laughs) trilogies all the time. And probably we'll do more at some point. I re-listened to that one. That's the one where you get the most like manic Freddy talking about movies. Yeah. Like like I let loose. I'm I'm here for that, Freddy. I am. But I thought this was a good, for our first, I would say, episode we were just talking about like music music and not like movie scores like we did uh, back when we talked about Giacchino. Like this definitely opened up a lot of opportunities for us, I think, in the future. Things to think about, things we want to do more of. So, you know, stay tuned for more content in the future. But I wish we could uh, like promote a band that you're in, Josh. But <laughs> do you have anything else that you'd want to like plug right now? I mean, I don't I- I just n- no. <laughs> I, I I I'm not a part of a band. I just I'm a dude who loves music, and I love the music that I love, and I'm passionate about it. So I'm just thankful that you guys, you know, gave me the opportunity to make a short story long. So you're oh, not yeah. you're not part of improv comedy, is that? What oh, I doing? am a part of improv. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, you know, our team's been yeah. on hiatus. <laughs> We're technically all in the same improv team. Are you trying to tell me something that I don't know? No, I'm just saying if you want to promote shows or anything, well, this is your you know, I do sir. improv with the Interchange Theater in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I also do a lot of shows with Schmitz and Giggles. Um, you know, there's he does Sketch Twenty Two and. You know, a bunch of other stuff. You know, a lot of, a lot of things have been digital lately. Um, mm-hmm. But Sketch 22 will be premiering on Saturday, February 5th on Twitch. Oh, very nice. I don't know might if this be, episode will air or not uh, by This then. might be bad before yeah. that comes out. But Old news. Definitely. Old <laughs> keep an well, eye out for more Schmitz and Giggles content. Their website is schmitzandgiggles.org. Oh, yeah. .org. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Patrick Schmitz is very official. I will probably have an improv show the second or third week of March uh, mm. with uh, the previously known as Said and Done. It will be under a new name. Mm. So, yeah, try to find those tickets to a show that has not been posted yet, doesn't have a name yet, but it will be in March. I think that's... <laughs> put, put, I've given you all the clues, the Mr. Policeman. <laughs> <laughs> we will... We will provide more details in the future on future shows at the Interchange Theater. Please visit theinterchangetheater.com to see Josh and Fred and maybe me. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'd love it. I'll I'll push father figures. We haven't talked about them in a while. We're still a group. We just haven't really done anything for the championship group. Gonna yeah. have to have some stepfather figures show. <laughs> stepfather yeah, figures, oh, yeah, gosh. some replacement father figures. <laughs> um, I'll also give a shout out though to our Buy Me a Coffee page. It's buymeacoffee.com slash S O T F. Um 
We are just accepting donations. If you love what you're hearing on the show here, please support us by providing, you know, just a buck or two. It's really just going to go right back into producing the show. Uh, we're doing it for fun. We love doing it. But, you know, anything you can give would be great. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time where we'll be discussing Taco Bell. Yes. I'm sorry, Josh. I, I can't wait. Honestly, I love Taco <laughs> Bell. I can't wait to listen to that one. But I'm thinking a good idea, and I want it on here so I don't forget. What if everyone just brings their like fat person order to the table, oh. and it's like, what did you bring? Okay, well, when I'm acting, when I want to be a real piece of shit, I get this, <laughs> this, and this. <laughs> I love it. I do want to get back to that. I'm glad you said that, because I'm like, this is what we're going to circle back to. Uh, yeah, we got a lot of great content coming up in the future, but I want to thank Josh again for being here today and Fred for obviously being your amazing yourself. You're amazing. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Cheers. Cheers.